Arden Nene and Cabernella coming to you live and obviously I'm still stuck in the 90s yes you are girl but you're looking good in that new YouTube channel we got Ooh, I cannot wait to tell you guys more about that you have to stay tuned but we are here and we're live from Boca Raton at the Brooklyn Cafe show and it's five o'clock somewhere because you are going to be having wine time with us Cheers. Someone's on vacation right now, enjoying a sip of wine. Uh, somebody's right now probably enjoying some liquor in their coffee. What do you say? <laughs> Guys, but don't miss out on this show. We have tons of funny, relatable memes that I'm sure every single mom here in South Florida could relate to. <laughs> and stay tuned, of course, because we are launching our YouTube channel. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> guys, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> so, Trace, <clears throat> we're uh, moms, we're best friends. We're launching a YouTube channel called Chit Chat and Wine with Chardonnay and Cabernella. It will be launching tomorrow. We are looking forward to having you guys join us there. We can be found on, obviously, YouTube but also Instagram and Facebook as well. Stay in. 
Lunchtime and the Brooklyn Cafe is open for business. Live from the Amp Media Studios, Dawn and Freddie S. and their team are ready to serve up a huge portion of fun for lunch with friends and neighbors. So let's break open that lunch pail and unwrap that sandwich you brought and take a front row seat in the Brooklyn Cafe and get ready to enjoy some humor and hot topics. It's time to get a healthy serving of hope and happiness to help your day go by with a smile. Your host, Dawn and Freddie S., are ready to talk about food, health, dating, or just plain dream making. If you have a story to share, movie review, restaurant critique, or just a coincidental thing that happened to you, call in toll-free 888-994-4995, Studio A, right now. Sit back and enjoy your lunch break at the Brooklyn Cafe. Here are your hosts, Dawn and Freddie S. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Brooklyn Cafe and a beautiful... It's only, it? Tuesday. Tuesday. it's only Tuesday. It's only Tuesday. Yeah, but next it'll be Thursday, Wednesday, and next thing you know, it'll be Saturday all over again. And there you go. And live from the Brooklyn Cafe. <laughs> that was our open of our, our new guests in studio. We've got Chardonnayne and Cabrinella. Cabrinella, live in studio. I'm going to tell you, those two, they have their own world. Forget about everything going on. They have their own language, the way they communicate the whole night. And then our third guest over here, Miss Lori Grassman. I'm a she. My whole life flashed before my eyes. Did it? Yes. Narcissism. Well, it's not only narcissism. That's part of it, but there's also the human behavior shift that happens with parents and everything else. They have like DNA in your body, and they create these things. I see a little of your mother in you. Yeah, a lot. I'm sure. I know. A little of your mother. I know. That's the thing. All the things we said we'd never say when we were growing up that our parents said, well, we continue to say. And then you go, uh, my mother said that. My father said that. Yep. You know the commercial that you see on TV? We can't hope you becoming your parents. Yes. Progressive. I stood in the mirror and sh shaving and I flashed. I become my father. I don't like that, Lucy. <laughs> I don't like that at all. I'm my father now. I know, you see expressions and you think, I look like them, I sound like them, I'm acting like them, but I don't want to be like them. I don't them. want to be like them. I know. I don't understand that. Sometimes behavior. I think we need to take a fresh perspective on life. But I've lost myself. I'm lost. I know. I have to do what the ladies do. 
I know. You kind of are. We've kind of had this conversation, but I'm kind of it's glad that the lady said agree, it. Dawn. Because I've not been saying... Not meant for you to agree, Dawn. Not well, I've been talking about this for days and days, and wow. now you hear it from a third person, a third party. Sometimes it's more understandable. So Dawn says today's Flag Day, so I've become... Today that. is National Flag Day. Today is June 14th, everyone, so National Flag Day, and it's nice that we have this flag that we were graciously given at the South Florida Fair when we went there. And it's funny because everywhere I went, they told me no, except for that one lady. She right? gave me this. So today we've got National Flag Day. We've got the art of Ken Bieberman on us, behind us on the set, which is spectacular. Behind me, I've got the 15 minutes of fame. I always go the wrong way. <laughs> which looks like Andy Warhol and the 15 minutes of fame and all the social media. And you've got the heights behind you. I read that Paris has been overtaken, is that a word, by bodegas. Paris. Did you see the guy propose to his girlfriend at Disney World in Paris? And he goes and he's on this beautiful platform. He's got the castle behind him and he gets down on one knee and proposes. And a Disney employee with the ears scoots, runs, grabs the ring box and takes him somewhere else and says, no, 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 you cannot get engaged here on the stage. You can get engaged on that step down there and everyone went up in arms because apparently the groom-to-be got permission and this little musketeer came running and took the ring and totally destroyed the moment for them. I think he highlighted the moment. Why? Because the whole world knows that the now he's getting engaged. The whole world now knows that he's getting engaged. That Until he gets divorced true. and then the whole world will know that too. That's a whole other story. First of all, you didn't let me finish my bodega story. That's the bodega in Paris. No, bodegas have taken over Paris. And you know, ladies know what a bodega is. You know what a bodega is because they had them in the. Uh, Wouldn't Queens. it be called like a patisserie or something in no. Paris? No, a bodega. We are a patisserie. No patisserie. What the hell is a patisserie? It's a French bakery. Well, no. This is a bodega. This is a Latin from the South Bronx bodega. Why would that be in Paris? Because they don't have them in Paris. So they show pictures, and the French are up in arms. They're like, "This is so American." Who's That's opening my bad them? French. Somebody went over and he started putting bodegas all over the place. I saw someone actually took over all the McDonald's restaurants in Russia and they're opening under a new name called Tasty. Yeah. And they're opening, reopening all of the uh, McDonald's under a new no, name. No, but they don't have any meat in the... Um, they're not, they're not bread, so tasty. It could be bread, bread and, and pickles. A, bread and a bullet. <laughs> bread, pickles, and all and the bullet. condiments. Which, and a bullet. No, That's not everyone in Russia. Food. It's just one. And again, second time, you don't let me finish my bodega story. <laughs> so I go back to the bodega So she story. keeps doing this. Now, in, in the Bronx, we all know that a bodega had everything. She likes to call it a convenience store. That was from Milana. A convenience store is in a, in a gas station. Now, would you buy food from a gas station? Or anybody buy food from a gas station? Come on. Yeah, and Wawa's, Wawa's, you know, boy. The old me was no until inflation, and the new me is very happy at Sunny Stop. That's not a gas station. I All want it's you missing to focus. is the gas station. Focus. The only gas coming out of Sunny Stop is slick. <laughs> but there all is no missing is the gas. I'm asking you. She does this to me all the time. I'm asking, do you eat from a gas station? On the road stops when you have to. Yeah. <clears throat> you have? Sure. You? subway like the you know when you have the kids on road trips through florida florida's a very big state to get out of to go on vacation have you ever had a hot dog from a gas station no 
You no. did. You had the hot dog that was turning in that wheel for about seven years? No. No. A hamburger. You ever have a hamburger? Usually a sub I've had or a salad or you stop and get chips and mm -hmm. something like that. So thing, chimes have changed. <clears throat> so the French don't like bodegas because it's not elegant. Sure. It's not, you know, pastry that they charge you $400 sure. for. It's none of that. So bodega is not their culture. They are very upset, up in arms, and they're very mad at the Americans for doing that. But when we were growing up in the South Bronx, that's all it was. They're mad at the Americans. Well, someone in France gave the people a lease to open a business and multiple ones, which means it's not. I all think the it's Americans. a great idea. Up in arms, up in arms. Sell them a can of Goya. A whole lot of things to be <laughs> up in arms about. That would not be one of them. Anyway, there you go, June 14th. Today is National Flag Day. We got a great show lined up. You guys did a fantastic job last night on WNN on Elite Nutrition. I told you, I will try anything. So you were talking about this detox. I'm like, I mean, I got to try it. I have not tried it yet, but. She kept talking in the back. I couldn't hear you because she kept talking. I'm in. That's me. And she had all these comments. I'm in. Ladies, you have bloat. You want gone? Yep. <laughs> ladies, you want to feel better? Yep. Ladies, you want to lose weight? Yep. I'm in. I want this product. So it was I, the hormonal word used and all that I stuff. I now have the product. So the ladies have a YouTube deal going on, correct? You guys are launching a YouTube show? Yes, we are. And I wanted to bring them on today because I wanted to get a flavor. So are we going with Chardonnay and Cab Cabernello or are we going with... Yes, so we have obviously another company that is our day job, Sharp Elite Nutrition, but this is a passion project of ours. Tracy and I are best friends. Uh, we're moms. We pretty much do everything together, and I'm not going to blame it on the emic, but because of that, we've been drinking lots of wine. <laughs> uh, we know lots of moms really enjoy their wine time, wine time with friends. And we thought it would be super fun to connect with people via YouTube with our new show, Chit Chat and Wine with Chardonnay and Cabernella. Can you guess by our title what wines Chardonnay and Cabernella likes to drink? <laughs> Which clearly means that every time you go out, you will either need two bottles of wine or they need to pour from two separate We always ones, need right? two bottles of wine. Of course. Yes. There you go. One Chardonnay and one Cabernella. Did you guys come up with these names? This is what we actually started calling each other a while back when we get together and we're drinking and we're really having a good time. We turn into Chardonnay and Cabernella, just full of character, laughing, and we think... I mean, no one else is there to give us their opinion, but if you're asking us, we're, we're hilarious. <laughs> and we thought, you know what, we gotta do this. And when we united drinking our favorite wine, we got very creative and have come up with a ton of ideas. Mm -hmm. So um, it has been one of our pastimes. Yeah. Well, we actually are launching the channel tomorrow. So if you guys are um, on YouTube, check us out and subscribe to Chit Chat and Wine with Chardonnay and Cabernella. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. So do you solve the world's problems together on your YouTube channel? Well, this is an opportunity for us to actually just chit chat about wine and then a little bit about um, motherhood. I think if you're a mom, you know, I, even if your life, your situation is different, whether you're a single mom or married, we all can relate to a lot of these childbearing things so that's and, what we talk about and it's also an opportunity for us to just let our hair downs and laugh and be funny and comment on things that are going on in the world things that are going on in our lives 
and it's just a little side project that yeah. really keeps us busy, but it keeps those creative those creative uh, juices flowing. Yeah, thanks. wine juices. Thanks, because of the juice. <laughs> What's your one of the best ideas you both got together while you were in character? Hmm. Wow. Well, Courtney had a ton of clothes to get rid of and she wanted to have a garage sale. So we pulled up in front of my house and the H, well, somebody upset called um, the HOA and called the police on us. But anyways, the idea was to bring all the clothes out and sell it. And she did. Like a garage sale. We both live in gated communities where they time when you can have a garage sale. And I was like, I need to just do this, you know, spring cleaning. And so we, um, we, had, we did have a little bit of alcohol out there, but they didn't know. And uh, we set up outside of her community in this like open area. And um, she yeah, made we, money, guys. It was an idea that we had while we were drinking <laughs> wine. We executed, we made it happen. And whatever she didn't sell, we went to, um, what's the name of that place? Well, it's like an open lot and she sold the rest. Yeah. So we made money off of that idea. Yep. Like a swap shop? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You just sold all your clothes? Well, the funny enough, how did we even learn about that? Well, once the police came the, the first the time in front came. of my uh, apartment, <laughs> they were like, okay, guys, well, they gave us actually the idea of places that we can go and sell our stuff. So it's just your stuff, just your clothes. One size fits all. Just at any just just garage had. sale. So it was things yeah. that, didn't, that we didn't need anymore. Why let it collect dust when we can collect a few dollars and somebody can get it for a good price? Yep. I love the fact that she has to sell her clothes she takes it to your HOA. They well, outside, the outside. But not I don't your have HOA. That <laughs> but I love the fact that the teamwork behind this thing is unbelievable. Yeah. We actually had permission from her HOA. There was nowhere outside my community that it made sense. And the way hers is set up, there's this long uh, road and there's an open space. It almost looks like a small park. Enough to put up a tent and sell some clothes. Well, you put a tent up. <laughs> you know what was another great idea that we had? Drinking wine, Tracy, our show. Chit-chat. Yes. <laughs> and wine. So I wanted the ladies to give us a little taste for tomorrow's opening. So why don't we go to camera three and let them go do to our thing. ISO. All right. Let them do their thing so we can get a little taste. What's the name of the show? Chit-chat and wine with Chardonnay and Cabernella. I would never remember all this. All right, let's see, let's see an episode. So our wine, our wine uh, chit chat and wine show is really more off the cuff. We don't have anything scripted. Um, what we are gonna do is talk about wine that we're drinking. Um, and because we like drinking wine, we thought this would be really fun to give our um, unasked for opinion of the wine. <laughs> and we are not wine experts, but we can talk a little bit about what we're learning and we decided we'll educate ourselves a little bit. We are not wine experts, but we are experts at drinking wine. Oh. Let's be clear. Yeah. And we do like to talk about all the types of wines that we drink along the way. And today we're going to talk about the Mondavi. I'm sure you guys heard about the Mondavi family. They are huge in Napa Valley. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I'm not an expert, but I'm trying for you guys. Okay. Oh my God. But this bottle, Mondavi. guys, was only $3.99. <laughs> and it's good. Let's just be clear. This, I got to give a shout out to my mom. She's always on the hunt to buy me wine. So she supports my habit. And thank you, mom. I appreciate it. And she picked this up at a place locally here called Western Beef. It's only $3.99. It's very good wine from Napa Valley for freaking $3.
Yes, I absolutely agree. Um, but one thing that we were talking about earlier was wine stoppers. Yes, I don't understand the point of a wine stopper. I mean, clearly, if you open the bottle, you should finish it. You know, no quitting here. Unless you get a <laughs> the one that you just screw on and off. But I don't know why they make wine stoppers. They should just make a little ta a little cap that you can just tighten back up because uh, I don't I don't even believe that there a thing like that exists. So I, uh, my kids are 15 and 17. I've been drinking wine their entire life. And I don't like to say that they're um, my reason for drinking wine. They're just a little bit of an inspiration. When my kids were little, I used to, well, I started calling wine Jesus water. You know, in the Bible, they talk about Jesus turning water into wine. And so it was really funny when I'd have guests over my house and my kids would be coming up to me saying mom do you need more jesus water <laughs> well i i can talk to you about experiences with kids but one vivid memory i do have before my kid before i had robbie and even when i was younger one vivid memory is i didn't drink wine so while i was pregnant that's all I could think of was like, man, I can't drink wine. I know. Forced sobriety. <laughs> I can never, I would never, that's one memory that will live in my life forever. So when I finally had my son and I had a glass of wine, I was like, oh, mama, <laughs> where have you been nine months? <laughs> I know. It's so funny. Like when your kids, the first thing that they learn to do for you is pour wine. My son is very cute and he used to bring me my wine glass like this. <laughs> Get him prepared for the ladies. <laughs> yeah, he knows how to open wine, serve it to me. He knows how to pour it and make sure it doesn't spill. <laughs> but one funny thing that I think people will probably call me ghetto. I don't know if you want to use that word. But when I'm out um, shopping for wine, I don't know if anybody else does this. I'm always looking for the highest alcohol volume wine. <laughs> so if it has a lot of alcohol, I'm in. Yeah. And if it's at a price, I'm in, but I am open to educate myself and learn uh, more yeah. about how it's made, how it's processed. Um, I know it's fermented, so it's good for our guts, right? Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Red wine also has resveratrol in it, so that's going to be for um, a strong antioxidant, helps with anti-aging. And the more wine you uh, drink, the better you look. Well, what red wine do you recommend, girl? You drink a lot of red wine. I, obviously, I like Cabernet, um, but all dry reds are my favorite. And the brands that we mostly pick at the store are the ones that are on sale. You know, I don't know if you guys are anywhere in the South, if you have a Publix, but that BOGO, the best. <laughs> Buy one, get one. So Chardonnay gets one and Cabernet gets one. And my yeah. husband is amazing at calling me and letting me know that there's a sale. So he's like, you guys need wine? Mm -hmm. That's how experts actually shop for wine. We go there, we look for three things. A, is it under 20 bucks? Because we drink a lot of wine. B, is it on sale? Can we get two bottles for the price of one? And C, is that alcohol by volume content above 13.5%? If that checks all of our boxes, it's going in the cart. It's definitely going in the cart. <laughs> I'm not a quitter, guys. I am not a quitter. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we say to ourselves every time. We're like, we should probably not drink so much. And then I'm like, nah. I mean, we're not alcoholics. I don't consider myself an alcoholic. I just consider myself a very successful woman that likes to come home, that's in charge, and likes to unwind with yeah. a glass of wine. I like to consider myself saving my family's life by drinking wine and not going crazy <laughs> on them for all the fun things that they do to me. Listen, when I... When, 
when I'm not drinking wine, what I do is I fill up my glass with grapes and I fill it up with some LaCroix. So it feels like I'm sipping some champagne, yeah. some, you know, but then I'm munching on the, on the grapes. I think that's, that's, that's a great idea. Those are all great ideas. So do either of you sw share wine? Are you strictly Chardonnay or you're strictly Cab? No, we cap? do share wine at times. Only the rarest of occasions. Yeah. It just depends. I will drink red wine, guys. Chardonnay -nay will drink red wine, um, but I prefer white wine. Mm -hmm. And how do people find your YouTube channel? If you go to YouTube, you can type in Chit Chat and Wine with Cabernet in uh, with Chardonnay -Nay and Cabernella. I, uh, we launch it tomorrow, so if you guys can head over there to YouTube, you can subscribe, hit that notification bell. We'll be posting our first, first video. video tomorrow. We're so excited. And then we'll be releasing a new video every Wine Down Wednesday. What time is the first showing and thereafter? We are gonna be launching our first show at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tomorrow. Granted that everything uploads because this is our, again, our first YouTube video, so, well, with this channel. And it's personal, so you'll really get to know a little bit more individually. You'll get to know more about me, more about, Ca well, you know, Cabernella. You'll get to know where she comes from, where I come from, what we do, and it's fun. And have a little fun. And you guys are good for grand openings, for car dealerships, anything out there that wants Shanene and Shuana. Shanene, <laughs> Chardonnay. I never get that, you know. Cabernella, so not, you like red cab white. or white? Me? Or Chardonnay? I like white during the day and red at night. So you'll do either? I do all of it, and then I put them together like a sangria, same difference. Just add Rose. the grapes and some sparkling LaCroix and you're good to go. I drink anything. With some grapes. <laughs> wine, what a thing about wine is you want something that when you start drinking, you can't stop. So one bottle turns to four, turns to eight, and you wake up the next day, and you got the most blistering headache, unless you drink a lot of water while you're drinking. Definitely cannot mix it. You can't, so. All right, tune in tomorrow, everyone. I think the ladies are going to stay with us for a little yeah. bit. We've got Lori Grassman joining us. Wait to hear all about her it's life gonna journey. It's going to make you want to drink. <laughs> you're going to want to drink or not, or maybe just make some life changes. I don't know. More to come. Give us a call, 888-994-4995. Let us know what wine you prefer. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Planning for the future should not be painful and needs to be discussed. From health, family, finances, allow qualified professionals to aid in your planning. Luhu Advisors have been serving South Florida for over 30 years. A licensed real estate broker, insurance agent, assisted living administrator, and certified senior advisor, Paul Solomon is the most qualified and well-rounded advisor for any task. Specializing in real estate, long-term care, life insurance and annuities, social security, government benefits, and senior housing, Luhu Advisors, let us help you. WEMP World. WEMP, the Women's Empowerment Token's mission is to support and empower women globally while providing a platform to educate women in the cryptocurrency market. Every transaction made through WEMP Token will support the WEMP Charity Wallet and women entrepreneurs. WEMP is here to stay. For more information, visit WEMP.world. That's WEMP, W-E-M-P, dot world. House hunting is about to become easier than ever. 
Our interactive map zeroes in on available listings in your favorite neighborhoods with all of the details you need to make an informed decision, as well as free email alerts as soon as a property matching your needs pops up in the market. We'll even give you a free and accurate evaluation of your home's value. Statewide Realty Group will make your next home less of a chore today. Known for his Art Deco Cubist style and compositions with dancing saturated color, Ken Bieberman has lived and breathed art his whole life. From the early 80s, he's influenced the Art Deco district of Miami Beach. Featured in numerous restoration projects, hotels, galleries, and clubs, Bieberman creates for everyday folks and celebrity clientele. He's also the proprietor of Art Repro, a gicle and scanning company in Pompano Beach. When it comes to scanning high resolution, size is not an issue. Professionally scanning art up to 10 feet and 64 inches in width, Art Repro utilizes state-of-the-art equipment. On quality canvas or paper, archival ink and printing mediums are put to use. Art Repro ensures colors are true and every nuance of the art is captured, including the canvas weave. Perfection is the priority. Contact artist Ken Bieberman today at 954-547-0095 or visit his website www.artrepro.net. I didn't know some Medicare Advantage plans may pay for dental visits. Did you? I didn't know some Medicare Advantage plans may pay for transportation to my doctor. Did you? I didn't know some Medicare Advantage plans may pay to have my prescriptions delivered directly to my home. Did you? These and more are important benefits some Medicare Advantage plans may give you. So if you're eligible for Medicare, call us right now because you could enroll in a plan with some amazing additional benefits. Call now. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, CEO of MyPillow. I support this show, and I would like to offer you our biggest discounts for listening. So please go to our website, MyPillow.com, and put in the promo code at the end of this message to get the biggest discounts. Again, thanks for listening, and God bless. You've been watching the Brooklyn Cafe Show. Join us each day and after hours as we talk about the hot topics to open the conversations and share a few laughs. Now, back to Dawn and Freddie S. And we're back. And we are back. Welcome back to, uh, I guess, a Tasty Tuesday. We've got our lovely ladies at the other side just doing some wine tasting. And we've got a new friend of the cafe joining us, Miss Lori Grassman, author of When the Mask Falls, narcissistic abuse. And Lori reached out to us, I guess over the weekend, or maybe last week even, oh, two weeks ago, and you just sent me the message over the weekend. So we, I spoke to her yesterday. Her story is compelling and only she can tell the story. Um, you've got a lot of things going on, but what an amazing, lovely lady you are. So I'm so glad you found us and you reached out to us. It is like, you never know what people sound like and what they look like. And she, she sounds, like, sounds you. like a New Yorker. She doesn't look like a New Yorker though, <laughs> but she sounds like a New Yorker. She looks like a New York. Where? In the hair, in the eyes, and the smile. Well, New Yorkers are great people. Oh, I know they're great people, but she to totally has that New Yorker talk. New York, well, look at this. She talk. found her accent. Listen, I grew up with my parents, right? The, those things that you still have that to True keep. that. But I find your book so compelling, and it's not a way to say... A lot of people write books on narcissism, and they man-bash. This is not about man-bashing. This is about 
people that are narcissists, and men and women can be narcissists. Information. So it's a whole nother scope at it. So, Lori, I'm going to bring Lori over and she'll tell everyone who she is and a little bit about your story. Am I talking now? Oh. Hi, I'm Lori Grassman. Um, I wrote a book on narcissism. Um, I was inspired to write it because I've been in relationships in the past and I couldn't figure out if I was doing enough or why I left. Should I have stayed? Should I have left? And I find that after studying narcissism and having the perception and going through it, I learned that anyone could be a narcissist. It could be your parents, it could be your friends, it could be your husband, your wife, it could be male, female. And there's different spectrums of narcissism. Not everyone is a full-blown narcissist. We all have a little narcissism in us. We can be narcissistic at moments. And so what I write in the book is the experience of being in a relationship where um, with a narcissist, there's no self-reflection. They cannot like do something and then walk away and think about it and say, maybe I shouldn't have said that, maybe I shouldn't have done that. It just doesn't come into their mind at all. When they do something, it's all for their own selfishness. Um, they manipulate, they gaslight, they love bomb. In many relationships, what they do is they start off um, trying to find out so much about the person and then when you give them all that information they use it to throw it against you later on in the future so you could be in a relationship and you feel like you're close because they're so interested in your story but they're not really interested in it because they care about you what happens is they have no um, self-love they really feel shameful and they feel abandoned they usually have been in situations in their family life where either a parent was too overloving and made them real like they were the bomb, they were the perfect person, or a parent that totally abandoned them. So um, in every family, if there's four or five siblings or even two, um, some of us end up empaths and some of us end up narcissistic. The empath wants to go out into the world and they want to tell people that I'm going to take care of you, I want to fix you, I want to make sure that you don't get hurt the way I got hurt. The narcissistic child grows up with the idea that no one will get me, that will never happen to me again, and I'm going to make sure that it happens to you before it happens to me. So when they go into these relationships, you usually meet someone that's so in love with you, they're trying to rush things in the beginning. Everything about you is so special. They love your hair, they love your eyes, they, the way you cook is so special, they think you're so clean. And you start to get this feeling that no one's ever told you those things all at once. So because if you're an empath, you're looking at them without that feeling of not trusting them. You're looking at them thinking, oh, well, why would they lie? So I believe that they feel this way. And if I met a person like this, this must be my soulmate. But they're not your soulmate because a soulmate wouldn't do the things they do later on. So what happens is they start off love bombing. That's what happens. And then in a couple of months, they start to pick on you for things. Like they'll tell you something like, you know, your left eye is a little bigger than your right eye. And like, you find yourself looking in the mirror and thinking, is it really bigger? Well, maybe it is. And you don't even know why, you don't even care. But now you're starting to think about it. And then they'll tell you something like, well, why did you put the trash out at three o'clock? Most people do it at five o'clock. And you're thinking, well, why does it matter? But then you figure it's not a big thing to give up. You'll start putting the trash out at five o'clock. And then when you start to think of all these things, you start changing because it's things that they say bother them. You start realizing that these things don't bother normal people. It only bothers them and it's not bothering them because it really bothers them. They want to condition you slowly into thinking that their perception is the only way to see things. So Laura, you think this is premeditated as a narcissist? No. 
I think that um, they're in survival mode all the time. And so when they meet people, they look at other people. I did therapy once with a group of couples. And the therapist had said that we all have a basket on our heads. And in the basket, you can't see your own rocks, but we all have these different colored rocks. So when you look at the person you meet, you think that their rocks are such a special color. That's what makes you fall in love with them and like them. And you somehow want those rocks. You, you just think they're so nice, and you don't know what your rocks look like. You just know that you see these beautiful rocks in front of you. And so it draws you closer to the person. But little by little, with narcissistic people, they just don't want to see those rocks. They want to take them. And they don't want to take them and share them. They want to take them away from you. They don't want you to have them because it bothers them. See, narcissistic people, they can't self-reflect and they can't relate to other people. So when you tell them my grandmother died, they really don't know what you're feeling. So they'll mimic what they've heard before. And if they've heard other people say, I'm sorry for your loss, they can say, I'm sorry for your loss. But they really don't mean what they're saying. They don't understand it. Is there a sliding scale of narcissism? There's a sliding scale. There's a spectrum. Just like autism, there's a spectrum. There's, it depends on the abuse in the childhood. It depends on this situation, people they've dated, people they've been with, how they've been treated. But in most cases, a full-blown narcissist, they have no feelings. They're just going with it. And what happens is, let's say they date Mary, Sally, and Kim. What they take from Mary, if Mary likes to plant things, then when they meet Sally, they try to introduce planting to Sally because they tell her their last girlfriend, Mary, <clears throat> did all this planting, and that's the only way to go, and that's what they loved about her. So now you start planting yourself because you start thinking, well, oh, it's a good thing, and Mary liked it, and this is what he likes. But then it's like they start doing that with everything. They start to change the way you see things. I actually had a guy tell me how to cut an apple. And I was like, excuse me? And he's like, you're not cutting an apple the right way. Well, hold on. <laughs> Stop right there. How to cut an apple. Somebody can tell you how to cut an apple. Maybe you're doing it that you may hurt yourself, or maybe you're doing it for another reason. Is that really a pattern going towards what you're talking about, or is this something No, because it became little things, little by little. Yeah. Then it was the proper way to brush your teeth. Then it was like proper obsessive... Way of brushing your right. Teeth. Okay. It was when to go to bed, that you had to watch uh, news at the news at 6 o'clock, uh -huh. and normal people wake up every day at 6.30 in the morning. See, I get up a little later. I go to bed very late. I'm a night person. So for someone to tell me I'm doing something wrong because all the doctors in the world say this, so I pointed out that there are people in the world that go to work at 12 midnight. So you're going to tell them when to sleep? No, you're right. But what about people that have OCD and they need all the labels facing out in the cupboard? Right. Well, I have OCD, but I don't push it on other people. But you have a different type of OCD. Right. I know women that that label has to be out. And it's funny because I don't care which way the label is as long as it's in the cupboard. And they used to get mad at me because they thought, they thought I was doing it on purpose to get under their skin. Right. And that wasn't true. I didn't. Doesn't so, make a difference. If the I, mustard's to, facing yeah. whatever which way, as long as you know where your mustard is, right? But now I have to comply. And again, I'm talking about OCD versus a narcissist. But why do you have to comply? Because they went nuts. <laughs> they went crazy. But isn't that there on them and not on you? Right. Why that would be on them because that's an insecurity they have. And that would be up to you to stick up for yourself and tell them, I'm not doing this on purpose. I, I just don't care. When but I put my about, shirt on, I don't care. But what about picking your battles? Because then you're going to fight about almost anything and everything. And then I can see the pattern. But they're going to say that I'm defending myself because I'm just the opposite. 
there's very few things that I need done a certain way. As a matter of fact, this lady in here told me I don't have plans because I don't put things together in certain boxes. I don't do that. I sort of take a person's behavior and I try to work with that behavior. I was taught there is always a give and take in a relationship. And not everybody can take because you ain't going to have much of a relationship. Right. So how would you explain your position to somebody who's willing to let, you know, turn the labels the right way to compromise? Now, the brushing of the teeth becomes a little bit more difficult or going to sleep becomes a little bit more difficult because I'm a night bird too. Most New Yorkers are night birds. You know, one o'clock in the morning to me is when the party really gets started. What piqued your interest in writing a book like this? Because you're not a therapist, right. you're not a doctor, you don't do this for a living. Right. Well, I studied psychology years ago, and I was always into how people operate. And so I had a long relationship that I always felt something was wrong. We didn't have a relationship like other people. He was um, insecure, passive aggressive, and I found myself enabling a lot. I was constantly like trying to show him ways to communicate with people so he could have friendships. He had no friends. And so, you know, I was enabling because I was going so out of what was good for me to help him. And I was, you know, raising kids at the same time. And so I didn't know what that was until years later when I had met other people that were more of a blunt narcissistic type. We're passive aggressive, they're more insecure, and they're very worried about how people see them. Like at one point, like if I had a neighbor and I needed two potatoes, my personality, because I share with people, they probably borrowed milk from me, I have no problem going across the street and saying, can I have two potatoes, can you lend me two potatoes? If I did that, that was a reflection on him somehow, that why are we borrowing potatoes? But I felt that I already have an established relationship with these people, so why are you worried about how you look when this is okay with me? You know what I'm saying? So with narcissists, um, it's like when we're in relationships, you have, people have idiosyncrasies and they do things, so you have to decide in that relationship what you can accept and what you can't. But a true narcissist cannot accept anything that's different than the way they see it should be done. So if you put extra salt on something you're cooking, they will tell you it can't be done, that you're doing it the wrong way. And when you're told that enough of times, you start to feel like you're not doing things the right way. And then you stop doing things. Right. You start, and little by little, you start breaking yourself down because you, you don't know why. You love this person or you like this person, but there's something you're not feeling comfortable with. And so you don't want to blame them because an empathetic person really don't, you, you, you really know your boundaries like not to blame. So what happens also with narcissistic people is they push many empathetic people into almost becoming narcissistic with the reaction from the actual thing that happened. So they will cause something and then you would react in a certain way because of something they did. So it's the outcome of what happened in the situation. When so, normally, with regular people, you would never have to get angry about so that. So you're changing because you're basically reacting towards what's happening around you. And that was my next question. Do you feel that you've changed because of these past behaviors? Have it changed you personally? Um, in the first kind of relationship, I think I went along with being the enabler and the empath and always trying to fix things. And then I actually, I always believe we meet for a reason. Were you so, married to that person? Yeah, I was married for 25 years, yeah. 
And so I believe that we meet everybody for a reason. So I never knew what that was. I just knew it didn't feel right and something was wrong with our relationship. Like there was a situation where a family member had a stroke and I said, we have to go and see them. And they said yes. And then the next day they said, I don't feel like going. And I was like, this is your parent, not my parent. You know, we don't know if her face is hanging or something. And they just blew it off, you know? And there's no feelings. And um, then when I had met these other people or this other person who was basically an overt narcissist, in, in my opinion, of the relationship, um, it made me realize that the other relationship was like that too. And although it was them, it was me too, because I was playing a role this whole time, pleasing people, because that's how I grew up. I grew up with parents that were constantly fighting. And honestly, I think my first narcissist was my dad, because my dad never showed any affection to my mother. He never bought her a gift. He never had a birthday cake for her. And you don't think about that when you're a child, but when you grow up, you start to think like, what kind of a relationship was that? So it made me learn to take crumbs from people. I learned to not want the cake. Crumbs were enough. So like Freddie said, did it change you? Are you were you able to be true to who you were in those 25 right years? Or in the, in the first relationship, yeah. I stood my ground because I had children. And I had to keep my around. mind. Yeah, and I had to, wow. to think about things. And I, I was basically doing everything in terms of bills and thinking, decisions, you know. And... Um, in the other relationship, um, I was pretty much in the beginning, but it, it had a little twist because I lost my son almost seven years ago. And for some weird reason, this guy's personality and character was a little bit like my son's. So there were times when I broke up with him and I felt like I lost my son again, like not in the physical way, in the personality. But then I realized that when I disciplined my son at 14 years old for something he said or did, he was a child. This was a grown man in his 50s, and I was letting him off on really bad behavior because I was traumatized in a little way of relating it to something that wasn't healthy. But are there, this is kind of the most ridiculous, are there relationships that are not narcissistic? Are there relationships? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of people that have healthy relationships. You guys know people that are in non-narcissistic relationships? You are. And you're newly married. Yes, we know each other since high school. Wow. So we've been together. I was the one that did not care about signing a paper because I felt that our relationship was very solid. So we finally decided to tie the knot. I just said, you know what, let's just do it. Let's just do it. So I rented a dress. We went down to the island. I got married. Somebody was taking pictures to another couple and they saw me in my dress and they came and took pictures of me, and I didn't even pay for photography, and then he emailed me the free pictures. Wow. And my husband is my best friend. Uncle you, Manny to my kids. <laughs> and you've known him since high school? We know each other since high school. I never paid attention to him in high school. I only spoke to Manny when like my other friends weren't there. So I used to do catalog modeling, um, and when I would have a shoot, I would bring back some negatives, and I would turn around, I'd be like, do you want to see my pictures from my modeling shoot? Sure, she's one of those. <laughs> and then yeah. I would talk to him, and he would always try to get, and I never, it wasn't until after high school that we decided to call. I already had my son, um, and he is the best, Manny is the best stepdad ever. Um, but I do believe we have a healthy relationship because we talk things out. 
his feelings. I always think about his feelings and what the outcome of whatever we're going through would be if I decide to act crazy because I am. So he's my calm. I think about him before I act because I know how he is and I don't want to hurt his feelings. Well, crazy. you know, it's funny because you have four women in here and four different, for lack of a better word, four different soul makeups. So to find somebody that can relate to each individual in here, it takes a different type of person. Like a tree has many leaves. And she found her leaf that works with her. Now, you know, like anything else, you have to make adjustments on relationships because six years from now, they're not going to be lovey-dovey and everything else. There's going to be some work involved in keeping things alive, outside pressures and things of that nature. So I'm, I, I find it difficult to understand how two people can serve the same spot on a deal without some kind of conflict. What and do you mean, a relationship? A relationship, I call it a spot. Like, this is a spot, and you have to both live on the same spot, which is really difficult. I see you as a bubbly person in a cage that was never let out to be herself. So, in my opinion, you have to find somebody who's gonna unlock the cage and sort of say, okay, let's see what you're gonna do, and. Let's be happy. And that person is going to have to make adjustments because of what happened to her in the past. I can't expect her not to look at me with one eye open, one eye closed until, <laughs> until she can say, I trust you. And that is the key of every relationship. Do you trust? Because once that's established, then the relationship starts. I mean, this is my opinion. Right. Until then, you ain't got a relationship. All you got is two people sharing a spot. That's what it comes down to, in my opinion. Now, treating you would be different, different from treating her, from treating her, from treating you. I just see it that men today don't understand how to read the vibes in front of them. Because men are so caught up in trying to make a living or whatever the excuse you want to use. Mom and dad didn't treat me right. They dropped me on my head, whatever, <laughs> whatever, you know. They just don't read anymore. We stopped reading one another. Now it's a reactive relationship. So you and I, we share this spot, and we come out lovey-dovey, and the next thing you know, here come the gloves. Because oh, oh, you can't be telling me what to do. I'm a grown woman. I remember using that line with Michelle a million times. What, do I look like <laughs> your son? Not your son. I'm a grown-ass man. And that was the wrong approach. And I'm telling you, I did the wrong approach. Why well, is that the wrong approach? Because I didn't read her coming to the conclusion that I should have expected what she was going to say. Okay, I love sports. I used to coach seven days a week because I love kids. I love the energy around me. And I put a lot of kids through school. They brought me their report cards. They lost weight for me, the coach. And she could not relate to that because she wasn't part of that. And instead of saying to her, listen, let me explain it, which she was never going to accept, I confronted her and I said, listen, I'm not your kid. I'm a grown ass man. So stop Is telling me Is that the day that you lost your life and you're reincarnated now? <laughs> I always just think about that. I'm like, if my kid said something crazy to me like that, I may just snatch their little <laughs> life away. <laughs> then they'll have to hope for divine intervention so they can be reincarnated. Well, the funny thing is that you are uh, that's another. That's that's for another show. But <laughs> but the bot, but the bottom line is that a woman's soul and a man's soul 
are two different things, two different beings. And to you to unite in one spot is the most challenging thing in the world. And then as you get older, because I'm probably older than everybody in here, you begin to understand that all these lessons you learn, you better pay attention. Pay attention. Because if you ain't willing to learn, you ain't willing to change. And if you ain't willing to change, then you're going to be alone. But I'm not sure the narcissist learns. No, she already said that. The empath learns. The I normal know. people, regular people, the narcissist, we got to pick that up. I will. Um, the narcissist, I don't think, learns. They don't look at their behavior and say, oh, but then maybe this is, I should well, do that. Well, if you this is my point. Will the narcissist ever learn? In most cases, no. Therapists say all the time that they can't help narcissistic people because they don't think anything's wrong with them. They think it's all about them and they think that their way is the way to go. So what they try to do is create their little fan club of people that just love what they do. But after a while, so if you run can... into a narcissist, should you run, run for the hills? Well, when you when you run into someone that can't self-reflect and they don't care about what you're saying or doing, and they're not compromising in any way, then yeah, that you, you can't be with someone that doesn't compromise in any relationship, friendships, lover relationships. You have to compromise. There's going to be things you don't like doing, and you do them sometimes for that person because. They do things for you. What, what is your book? Is your book a self-help book? Is it stories? It's is it your story? It's stories. Um, it's, it talks about the symptoms of narcissism. It talks about what they do. And it's, it's basically about deception. It's about people that when you're an empath, you want to believe that people are telling you. Like each one of you, I met you today. Being an empath, I believe you would be honest with me if you were telling me something. Maybe I find out six months from now that everything she told me, if she told me she had five kids, I would believe her. I might find out she only has two because she felt like telling me that. So now I have a lie and now I have to decide if I can be friendly with her anymore because she never told me the truth and she gave me a distorted story. That's the word trust. So narcissistic people give you distortions of their reality. And so now when you think you have this thing you're standing on and they pull it away, you're like, well, how did that happen? Because this is what my memory has. My memory has, you said this, you said you did this. But now you're telling me you don't do that. So then you question yourself. So what they do is they bring you to the point where you question yourself and you start to ask yourself, did this really happen? You know, am I overblowing this situation? And they basically cannot tell the truth because they're constantly like creating lies, you know? And then they have things called like flying monkeys. Well, let me ask, when you were, are a people pleaser, right? We talked about your past, you're a people pleaser. Do you think you help build hit your spouse's partner's narcissism not build it but elevate him because you were always so pleasing so the more I was a supply for him right you were an enabler yeah. for that I was not a vessel for what he needed at the time and in any way if I went off the course of how he wanted me to be he would either cheat or lie or some other stuff would happen but I think there's a lot of women and I always say that for people that we've known 9,000 check-ins here from our generation now, their generation is different, and you guys are younger than we are, so I think your generation is different, that enabled their spouses because it was in between the women empowerment, not all women were working moms, not everyone was a two-income house, a lot of times other than you. Women stayed home, they raised their kids, right? And you, we built these pedestals of our spouses. So in one instance, I think a lot of us have enabled that behavior because we didn't stand up for it, but yet we knew it was wrong. Right. And now we talk about it, so in the hopes that we teach 
their generation, you guys are younger than us, that stand up for ourselves and don't enable those bad behaviors because we know better. We, we label it now as what it is, as it passed from generation to generation. Do you think that's part of part of this? No, I think, I understand that that was a separate generation. I, I understand that, but I think in the world we live in now, as I was telling you both, narcissism is very prevalent right now. That's all you see when you go on YouTube, uh, TikTok. Well, welcome to Florida. No, nothing is ever. Well, it's social no, media, right? California beats Florida when it comes to narcissism. <laughs> I think you're right about that one. Wow. All right, let's take a commercial break. Well, I have a question. Okay. I'm going to forget. Do you think that relationships today are too caught up on the words being said and not enough on the words in, that are being implied? What do you mean? What do you mean? The words in being In other words, said. people say things for different reasons, but they don't mean what they're saying. Like she says, I have two children, and you come, or five children, and you find out she had two children. Maybe what she meant was, I wish I had five kids. But right, I only but see, in a normal relationship, you can confront the person and say, oh, I, I thought you had two children or five children, and there's communication. You cannot okay. do that with a narcissist. But what if, or you can't. Okay. No, you can't. They will not answer you. They will walk away. Mm -hmm. they, they gaslight. They gotcha. walk away. They ghost people. If they don't get their way, walk they will away. not talk to you for weeks. So they walk away in the middle they, of a they, conversation. And that's it. There you go. Because you caught them in a the lie. Right. They can't find a, a door to the box. You know, that's very interesting. And I'm only kidding about, no, I'm not. Five kids? Welcome to Florida. Yeah. Because I'm going to tell you something. I have met my share of narcissistic women but in But I Tampa think there's Sun. narcissists everywhere. everywhere. And it's not, you find women as well as men. Uh, yeah, and, but you know something, the funny thing is that I look at her and I didn't, I didn't judge it that way because I said, it is what it is. What am I going to do? Right, see, I want to tell you something. See, this is the picture everybody thinks they have. I'm very smart. I'm very freestyle. I've, I've done a lot of things in my life, stand-up comedy. I was a paralegal, hairdresser. And so nobody would think that I could get caught up in that because I am smart and I'm direct. Everyone that knows me knows I'm very blunt and direct. Okay. But, it, okay, they say the brain works this way. The brain went from when we're little, the brain is supposed to go off. If we burn our hands, it's yeah. supposed to teach us not to burn our hand anymore. But when it comes to the heart, our brain teaches us the opposite. We don't think of the bad times, we think of the good times. So we get stuck on thinking, oh, but we went on that vacation. Oh, but they said they loved me. Oh, they did all these nice things, they cooked me food. But we're totally tuning out. Oh, he sold my car to someone else. Or, oh, he yelled at me the other night in front of a group of people at the movie theater. And that we tune right out because we want to believe so much that that person's kind. So we get away with it. We rinse the dirt away mm -hmm. and we just want to see what shines. So what's bigger, your brain or your heart? A what? What's bigger, your brain or your heart? Well, I think you should think with your brain first, but I think you should also use your heart. I don't think. Interesting. <laughs> There's a bigger portion. Uh -huh. All right, let's take a commercial break. It's great conversation. Stay tuned. Give us a call with any questions. Write in any comments. People. You can find Lori's book, People, others can find your book on Amazon. Yes. Check that out. But more to come when we get back from a commercial break. 888-994-4995, Studio A. We'll be right back. And stick around. Breathing through my troubles, trying to be smart, living with another, passion in my heart, partners come and go. Providing music you will enjoy. JM Production performers will brighten up your stage. 
condominiums and residential communities, nightclubs and restaurants that want to provide top quality singers and entertainers for their social events, banquets, celebrations, and their customers use JM Productions to ensure that they have an uplifting and beautiful event. Now, tune in for the show. Amy Roshevsky can help you choose the right piece that will add some magic to your space. Amy Roshevsky has a wide range of art, from abstracts to mosaic tapestries, and she paints on different surfaces, such as reverse painting on glass, tables, wall hangings, and sculptures. Her work can be ordered online at amyroshevsky.com, or you can come in and see it in real time at the Brooklyn Cafe Art Gallery. She also does commission work, so if you have an idea in mind, she can make it a reality. She invites you to reach out to her at Facebook or at email at amyroshevsky at gmail.com. That's amyroshevsky at gmail.com. Have an artful day. Born in Marseille, France, Max Lazega creates whimsical and free-flowing interpretive art. His 40 years in the construction industry created the foundation for his craft. His unique work displays his view of the future with bold and playful combinations of materials and processes but the methodology remains consistent. He fuses recycled materials and discarded building supplies into a fresh, well-executed approach. Lazega has lived in Miami, Florida most of his life, where he pursues his lifelong passion of creating industrial art. For more information, contact Max Lazega at artworkstudios.org or 786-326-8873. Meet Jay Harmon, one of the many artists held in the Brooklyn Cafe Gallery. Jay specializes in various different art styles, but his medium to work with is colored pencils. His unique style comes from being self-taught in years of practice. Jay pulls his inspiration from many outlets like people, television, celebrities, and many more. With multiple original pieces, Jay's art graces the gallery with over 40 plus works for viewing and for purchase. His many years of being an artist has given him a chance to partner with the Derwent brand, giving him the opportunity to try many different work styles and further his craft. Feel free to come down and visit the studio to view his work, or if you're interested in your own Jay Harmon original, he's open to commissions on his website, coloredpencilartist.com, or catch his show, The Colored Pencil Artist, on Amp Media Productions on YouTube and Facebook. See you soon. Has your heater busted, computer crashed, appliance broken? Then you need ARW Home. Life's been pretty worry-free since I got covered with ARW Home. Don't waste thousands of dollars on air conditioning, appliance repair, and replacements. Save that money with ARW Home. Protection plans that cover household appliances, systems, and electronics. My air conditioning broke on a Sunday. I called ARW, and they came out and fixed it right away. Get your free quote today. Call or go to ARWHome.com now. Hey travelers, everybody wants cheap airfares, but where can you find them? You call SmartFares. Our prices are direct from the airlines and they're so low they're not published anywhere. SmartFares specializes in cheap flights, discount hotel rooms, cheap car rentals, and great package deals anywhere around the world. Wherever you want to go, SmartFares can help you get there cheaply and with the best price guarantee. If you want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets or other travel services, call us right now. That's right, call. That's the only way to get these low rates. 
Experts are standing by 24-7 to get you the lowest rates available. So don't wait. Call SmartFares right now for the best price guaranteed. Save up to 50% off business and first class. We've got great last-minute travel deals too. Call 855-828-0198. That's 855-828-0198-855-828-0198. You've been watching the Brooklyn Cafe Show. Join us each day and after hours as we talk about the hot topics to open the conversations and share a few laughs. Now, back to Dawn and Freddie S. Wow. And this portion of the show is brought to you by the Brooklyn Cafe Merch Store. Go to brooklyncafe.tv, hit the merch button, and check out all the goodies that we have in there. We also have goodies from other shows. Let's see if they can find our QR code. Or you can just take your phone and scan this QR code. It'll take you right to the merch page once we get that code up. They'll be putting it up on the screen. And it's true, if you take your phone and you hit the screen, it works? 100%. So check it out. Um, brooklyncafe.tv and check out the merch. All right, so back to this conversation. Sometimes I wish our camera kept on rolling during commercial break because you ladies were in this deep conversation. I didn't hear it, so I want to ask. I don't know what name we're going by. Are we going by Courtney? Oh, yeah, you call me Char. We're going Char by Char. And Cab. Those are our nicknames. Okay, Char and Cab. You were talking to Lori about a situation with two girlfriends. Well, I, she had talked about the Flying Monkeys, which is a little fan club that the narcissist would have so they can co-sign on things. My question was, what happens when, you know, that fan club or that person in the fan club decides to no longer co-sign? What does the narcissist then do? Like, how do they react? How do they lash out to that person? all about pity and they've done everything yeah. a flying horrible. monkey what's a flying monkey it's when people instead of like communicating and trying to resolve something they know that they did wrong but they can't apologize and they won't admit it so what they do is they set up people around you they'll start talking to your friends or the, your friends with them and they'll they'll make up stories or say oh she drank too much last night. Oh, she was bad to the kids, or she doesn't work. And then now these people, they're putting, because they like him or they like her, they believe this. So if I told you that my girlfriend's a prostitute, let's say, and she's just always running around with men, you want to believe me because you like me. So now you have this perception of my friend that's different. So you're going to be looking at her differently, and I already ruined that situation. So the flying monkeys now group around this person that's narcissistic, and they go against you too. They don't want to be involved with you anymore, or they tell you you were terrible to that person. And meanwhile, they weren't in the situation. So that that's like if I'm in a relationship and I tell all my friends made-up stories about some guy I'm dating, obviously they're all not going to like him. And so that keeps me from having a bad breakup because when I let them go, my friends are with me. Have and you always been a positive person? Always. When I spoke to you yesterday, and we haven't even talked about the, yeah, your son. You right. lost your son in a bad accident seven years ago. There are many people that can't believe how unbelievable that you're doing. And then you told me yesterday, people have it worse. Yeah. 
So to hear that coming from you, a mother who loses their son and say, you know what, I don't have it as bad as maybe somebody else. Your perspective of always finding the light is so unbelievable to me. So I'm so glad you got to meet her. Because you don't sit and wallow in, oh, woe is me, or I was in a narcissistic relationship, you got out. You're trying to help others. Well, you know what happens? A caretaker can't do that. A caretaker only knows to fix. So there's no time to feel sorry for yourself. So you're a fixer? I, yeah, I've always been a fixer. It's very hard not to. I could see a stranger and want to help them. It's very hard well, not to want to do that. The way the world is right now, you're going to be very busy with overtime. <laughs> you now, know, you have to limit it. You have to know where it gets you in trouble, you know, and that's where you find out along the way. What to, I didn't date nobody for seven years. And then I met this God person that just was the bomb, you know, and thought I was the greatest. Thanking God every night. I'm so glad I met her. <laughs> so when the change happened, I was so confused. I was like, what happened to this person that put so me wait, on wait, that wait, pedestal? So wait, 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 wait. You dated somebody after seven years and they ended up being what you didn't think they were? Did, what, with what? They, they ended up being something you didn't think that they were? After totally, seven years? Totally. The, everything they said, they didn't practice. Really? They came at me with a religious book. They told me they believed in all these things, and I watched what they did with people they had work dealings with and friendships, and it wasn't nice. So why would you date that person? Oh, no, because you learn. What happens is you think you can help them. So I would start to say, uh -huh. you know, you should have maybe helped your friend by doing this. I think you hurt their feelings. You think you can change people. Yeah, you think you can change people. And I, I definitely... That's a seven-year map. Yeah. If in seven years you can't change people, it ain't meant to be. Oh, no, but I stayed out for seven years. I was on my own, doing my own thing. I did comedy. I, I, She's I, a stand-up comedian. I know we're going to do a show. She's going to do a stand-up. I don't think you can change <clears throat> people ever. I always tell, you know, you kind of like live and learn. You live and learn. So I have two teenage children, and I explain to them, you almost have to just accept people for who they are. Anybody that changes changes because they choose to change right you will never change anybody that's their decision you accept them or you move on and you have to really kind of lock in on what's happening early on so you don't find yourself seven years later asking yourself like why am i here in this situation right. Well, with me, I wasn't with anyone for seven yeah. years. Oh, okay. I was not dating for seven well, years, and then I dated non someone else. Nonetheless, after. even in yeah. a relationship, yeah. when you notice that things just don't make sense, they don't add up, or they don't feel right, acknowledge it. Acknowledge well, let, it. Me, let me tell you something. When I was in a relationship, the earlier relationship with my kids, we were going to a therapist, $140 for like 35 minutes, 40 minutes. And at the end of this session, it was called the Magiotherapy. We'd have to face each other with our knees touching and our eyes into each other's eyes. And every session at the end, we had to tell each other one thing that we really wanted the other person to know without a doubt, to be safe, to feel safe. And every time he would say that he wanted me to know that he never, ever cheated on me. And every night he was going to another area to meet a girl who's now one of my close friends. And I had no oh idea. And why would I think it would be different, you know? And so when I realized that there was so much lying and like having the rug pulled out from under your feet, I finally said, I have to leave them. And so after that... But does that affect you when you've come to this realization? I mean, you're being honest. I was hurt, stuff. yeah. I was hurt because I really put a lot into that relationship. 25 you know? years, yeah. Yeah, and, and I wanted to... Like, it's going to sound crazy, but... 
I wanted to believe that we were going to be the grandparents over my grandchildren. I didn't want somebody else's face there. And so I didn't want to let go of that. See, what happens is I find this to be like a slot machine. You know the people that sit at the slot machines? Yeah. They yes, put sir. their money in, and they don't want That's to leave where they're love. sitting because they feel like They've they put all invested. that money in. So after you put so much time into something, it's like the slot, ma slot machine syndrome. You feel like there has to be a payout, like something has to happen or change, like you just invested all that time. So you're anticipating a reward because you put all that time in Right, there. I just couldn't see it go to waste until I realized, he, it's a long story, but he ended up getting arrested and it was like, thank God I wasn't with him at the time because I would have lost everything. Yeah. And so I walked away from that, but it's very hard to walk away from someone you totally love, that you just love and you wanted it to be a certain way. But I, it's like I cut my own hand off and then I dated a few people. I had good relationships, but we didn't have the same interests. Well, when you, did you ask for the divorce? Yeah, I had to make the divorce happen. And what did he say at the time when you said to him, I'm done? Well, I had three lawyers and each one told me that somebody like that, I would be going through money just trying to divorce them, which I did. I went through three lawyers. He was talking with my own lawyers and then, you know, trying to get me not to divorce him. And then um, I just told him, I said, I actually told him, I have to divorce you because I'm going to lose everything if I stay with you. I said, if seven years from now you're a changed person, I'll marry you all over again, but I have to make this happen. And then I just divorced him. And how did that feel when you did that? How did it feel? How did you feel? Um, empowered and hurt because it was very hard to give up that part of my life. You know, because after that I moved here because I, it was just safer for me not to be there. And then he had gotten arrested after that. and. Uh, he did something like crazy and um, I was glad I wasn't with him when it happened. How did you feel dating the other people even though there was nothing seriously going on? How did you feel doing that? I realized that people care about you. They ask questions. They're concerned about you. They want to know how you feel. If there's a conflict, they want to resolve it. I didn't have that. So it felt good to know that there's people out there. It was like a little shocking too because I thought, okay, I'll just eat it. I'll agree. You know, and then I don't have to do that anymore. So it was a different perspective and you dated some people and then you met somebody else? Yeah, after seven years of not dating, I had met somebody and like I said in the beginning, they were like, I'm so religious. I, anything I liked, they liked. Oh, I love that too, I love that too. I love dancing, I love music. And then little by little I put music, I don't want to hear music right now. Oh, I don't want to do that, I want to do this. Oh, we have to go to sleep at this time. And I used to be like, well, you can go to sleep if you want. I want to stay up and do this. Oh, that's not a relationship. You have to go to sleep the same time as me. And I'd be like, yeah, no, that's like not normal to me. You know, and then like you're questioning what's normal and what's not after a while. That's right. That's the other problem to this thing because you don't know what's normal, what's not normal, you know. I, I used to, to that. If you want to have a glass of wine and watch the soaps, this is when I was in New York. And the kids get out of school at 3 o'clock and I had to go get them. So you... Drinking a glass of wine one and watching the soaps. Just one glass <laughs> watching the soaps, General Hospital, and you know, all that good stuff. And then my neighbors, now you got to understand, the problem was that all my neighbors were housewives. They're all hanging out with you. They're all hanging out. But I wasn't doing anything. As guys might witness, I didn't do anything. But we were hanging out and getting things done. It was amazing. These women, my mother used to say, you can't write a check for what a person or female has to do, cleaning the house and all that. And they were teaching me how to do certain things. That's why when I go shopping, 
I open a bottle of wine and put some cheese out and I'm going to go in Publix. I do that. That's the way they taught me. It was the whole... Having a party. Yeah. But what I liked about learning how to do things differently, just like relationships, is I don't see a book that a relationship should be this way. That's what gets me in trouble. Because I say, be you, let me drink from your wine of knowledge. I've used that line a million times. But then people get upset because apparently I ain't doing it right. I don't know. By whose standards? By somebody's standards. There's so much definition, so many things that people will pick at. Judgment. It's like ridiculous. But then maybe that's not the right person to be with. Maybe not. That's why I tell the kids, just date. Don't worry about the right person. The right person will show up when it's time. I agree with that. She found Mr. Right. From high school. I did. But before I found Mr. Right, when you guys mentioned about, hey, you got to, when you were talking about your ex saying, okay, you got to go to sleep with me at this time. So I come, I'm from the Dominican Republic, and my parents are old school. I thought that was the way that when I went to bed, whoever I was with, my husband, my boyfriend, whoever I was with, was going to bed with me. And I grew out of that after some time when I started deprogramming myself from what I thought should be. Because we are raised by our parents and we follow them. So if they are a narcissist or their habits or just the way of their culture, the kid usually some way down the road ends up following suit. And without knowing subconsciously, I was doing that. And I told myself, okay, I can't do that because what if he doesn't like to go to sleep at the same time as I do? We're going to have a fight because of that? And that's when I started realizing that it was stupid. And it wasn't until, um, it wasn't until I caught myself fighting over what time we're going to bed that I was like, man, I gotta, something has to change. This is not normal. So I can totally relate, but the only reason why I did that was because that's what my parents told me. You're, if you are a woman and you're married, you have to be in your house and your husband has to be in your home with you. Well, and, that's how, and I dated a whole bunch of players that never stood home with players me. Players is different. <laughs> totally my, different. My aunts, her parents were divorced. So she has separation anxiety if I didn't go to bed at the same time. So when she fell asleep, then, I mean, I used to stay up watching TV. It didn't matter because as long as there was somebody next to her, and you ever done that old switch the arm over to make sure they're there? Which yes. is cool. I get it. I get it. I fall asleep wherever I, like I am to touch at a certain feet. time of day. I don't care who's there or not. <laughs> you see? No. She's, but there you go. You see, everybody's a little bit different. But see, yeah. the difference is you both can self-reflect. A narcissist does not have the ability to think that way. They think that you're wrong. See, if you were narcissistic, you would be fighting with everyone you dated. You would say, no, if you don't go to bed the same time as me, I can't date you. I don't want to see you because this is the way I do things. But you were able to look at it and see someone else's perspective. A narcissist cannot. A true narcissist cannot. You can ask any therapist in the world. They can't. They lie in therapy. So it's a control thing. It's a control freak. Totally. A guy that I was seeing, he was telling me we would have some chips. And then I'd brush my teeth, and if the movie was really long, in the middle of the movie, I'd get a little hungry and then take some pretzels. So in a, a thing he texted me, he said, oh, he goes, we don't have things in common. He goes, you actually eat after you brush your teeth. So I was like, excuse me? And I, so I took a poll. How I asked old were you in that relationship? Because you got to exit stage 86. Real that quick. was what she did. I'm with Brock at 
hooked to her back. <laughs> Shot That's out of there. nuts. Can you imagine that? But so I asked people, and they all said, I brushed my teeth again. So I had said to him, well, I brushed my teeth after that. No, we don't have that in common. And I was like, this does not make sense to me. So then I was like, you know what? So I had a few choice words, which turns me almost into like angry narcissist. And I was like, wait a second, this doesn't sound right to me. Because I would never try to change someone. I would, I'm not, if I can help you, I'll try to show that I'll try and help you and support you. But I, I don't want to be with someone that not I have to totally change. Not everything deserves help. That scenario, you did not need help. You did not need even his opinion about it. Right. He could have kept it and life would have went on. That was not a life situation. But you know, you ever watch a magic trick, right? You see the magician, right? And it's, this is how people get taken in. Lawyers have been taken in, doctors with narcissists, very smart, intelligent people. And friends tell them, how, did, how come you didn't leave? It becomes a trauma for you. You start to get used to the high and low. You know what I'm saying? You start to be like, when you get the low, you go, oh, but they were so nice the other day. And then 10 minutes later, they're so nice. Oh, you look beautiful. And then you're so confused. So what I'm trying to say is that um, it's like watching a magician. You stare at them, they do the trick, and you can't walk away because you want to know how they did that stare trick. Stare your mic. Oh, you want to know how they did that trick. And so you're sitting there and you watch them do something and you're like, no, they didn't just do that. And then you stay long enough because you want to know, how could they do that? It doesn't make sense that they said or did that. It's like and when you eat that popcorn, you're waiting for that perfect sweet and sour bite. Are they going to do it again? Yeah. And you think they're going to change, and they don't change. No, not at all. Not at all. But I totally have that down now. And then you, you realize. I, I, but you know that already. But then you think it's not worth fighting that battle, as you just said. You know, the problem is. What battle is worth fighting is, then? You know, we only have 24 hours in a day. We sleep 8 to 10 hours of that day. Mm -hmm. So what do you got? 14 hours? You think I'm going to spend eight hours or 14 hours fighting? Please, you want, you want, go brush your own teeth. That's the first thing I tell. And put a lot of toothpaste in there or, suck, <laughs> or, or eat it. Now, you, are, you have a comedy side to you. Yeah. This is a different twist. Oh, see, you I... have another comedy side to you. Another twist. Because sometimes we're going to come back with a line that's going to be funny. And they ain't gonna like that too much. So that's the other side to this thing is how you answer when somebody gives you a dig, right? You're not gonna sit there and take a dig. You're but if you come back dig at a narcissist, oh, absolutely. they will come back at things that happened 25, 30 years ago. Well, why is that any different than this happened when you were 20? Because they don't ever forget anything. Did they change their underwear in 25 years? Probably. <laughs> Not probably. It's a yes or no answer? Yes. They did? How do you know that? And I'm going to say, show me. Show me your it, because you got a lot of it talking to me this way. <laughs> Seriously. But then that's the fight you chose not to have. There ain't no fight. I'm coming with a one-liner. <laughs> then I go make a sandwich. <laughs> Mayonnaise. I get everything yeah, that the person don't the like. Yeah, but then there's the silent treatment. That's and okay. And then there's the slamming of the doors. That's okay. I say, don't throw it too hard, because if you break it, you own it. <laughs> and How silent treatment is a blessing. When you're in a different situation with people screaming at you or arguing with you. Oh, can you restart the silent treatment early, please? Restart it right now. <laughs> Just like go. Right, well, silent treatment is also a little abusive because it's a breakdown of communication. Why? So it's better to walk away than because you, you can torture phone? somebody with a silent go treatment. Go torture someone else. <laughs> you have right. a phone, they give you the silent treatment. Okay, I talk to you now, I'm on the phone. Hello, you want to hear a funny one? 
No, I mean from their point. They're, they're being That's abusive. Them. Yeah. They choose their path. Well, what's next for you? You've got this great book. You're honoring your son's memory this month. Right. What's next for you on the horizon? What are you looking to do? Oh, I have a few other books that I didn't do yet, but that's what I'll do. Maybe We're going to make a show again. out of your book. And what? I want to make a show out of your book. This one? No, the other one that she hasn't finished. The one that's going to be the book or the game? It's going to be a game, a, a show, and the whole night. A bad bunny. A bag of money. A bag of money. A normopoly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a commercial Hold break. What? She had a comment. So, okay. I had a question about narcissism in family. How about with family members? Because I will call my sister and be like, do you remember back when you were like in the sixth grade and you took my tank top and you were to school and I waited for you outside the bus? Like that affected me. How about narcissism in family? Like with your brothers, your sisters, your mom, you know, dad. Because I'm sure you also go through some stuff as well. It's not That's only a in a sexual relationship with your family. I'm oh no, sure it starts with the family. It usually starts with your childhood and you either become the empath or the narcissist. So like you can have people in your family that are narcissistic and you could love them because it's your brother or sister, but you cannot like them because there's no feedback, there's no give and take. They just want to take and, and they're out for destruction, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we learn from that. Like in my situation, my mom and dad, my dad really didn't do anything for my mother. My mother was working and running back and forth and my father, in order to punish my mom, when my mom got a job, he just stopped paying the bills. He told her that he'll pay for like half of them because she went back to work, but she needed to go to work because we didn't have enough money, you know, where we were living. So he kind of like was spiteful and decided everything's going down the middle. I remember one time our phone was turned off and we said, Dad, you gotta pay for the phone bill. He goes, I don't even use the phone, I'm not paying for it. So I was like, what kind of thinking is that? You have children in school, you need the doctors, you know, to make phone calls. It's just, I grew up thinking that was okay. I thought, oh, okay, that's okay. So I was like, oh, can I help you? Are you okay, you know, with my parents? And like my one girlfriend, when she met my other friends that lived in New York, she said, how was Lori when she was younger? And my girlfriend said, Lori never came out a child, she came out an adult, she said. <laughs> and that's how I grew up. I was a serious kid. It's funny, Michelle, I begged her to go to work. Everybody begged Michelle, you gotta go to work. Because she was driving us all crazy at home. So I said, you gotta go to work. Well, who's gonna do the kids? I'll do the kids. Who's gonna pick up the dinner? Me, I will make dinner. Just please go to work, come home at six, because I can't take it with you here. So when she came home and I had everybody watching soap operas, a glass of wine, she said, oh, this is what you wanted. I said, no, this is not what I wanted. You can sit, I'll pour you the wine. Can you chill out? Little high strung, controlling, high strung, little fear. You ever meet somebody and it gets real chilly when you walk by them? <laughs> I'm being serious. Yes. You go, man, it's a little cold. What the hell happened in here? That's the person. Michelle can never relate because everybody kept telling her the same thing. And here was Freddie that really didn't care how you were. I'm going to accept you the way you are. And that was probably a big mistake. I lasted 17 years in that marriage. But what I didn't realize was how it affected my kids. That's a different animal altogether. I didn't realize that at the time. Of, um, and I love my boys. You know, I, I think my boys are great men. But it affected them. So. Well, I have to say on that, I learned from my mother not to walk away. I watched my mother stay with a man. You know, she thought it was for the sake of us. But we used to tell her, you have to leave him. You have to leave daddy. 
And then until it came to me leaving my ex, I remember I was on my rug and I was crying and I called her up and I said, now I understood why you couldn't leave. I said, I was telling you to do something you just couldn't do, you know? And so um, it's like you can only do things when you're ready. And so what I did think about was I have three children. My son was an empath. I mean, they're all empath, empathetic, but my son would, he's more enabling. And my younger daughter is more enabling. My middle daughter, she'll walk away in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. So they learn differently from the situation. So my other two children, my son's not here, but my younger daughter, you know, I worry about her sometimes what she'll deal with or what she'll hang on to. But my older daughter, she won't put up with anything because she learned to do the opposite. She doesn't want to let anybody get away with something. Interesting. And the little one believes things can change. Interesting. Totally interesting. All right, let's take a commercial break. 888-994-4995. A lot to go over. A lot to think about. People are writing in? They are not writing questions, but they are watching. All right. Stay tuned. More to come. Everyone is very intrigued by this whole conversation. You can find the book on Amazon. It is called, what is the name of your book? When the Mask Falls. When the Mask Falls, Narcissism. Check this out. Everyone is downloadable. Hard copy, paper book, um, audio as well? And not audio. Hard copy and paperback. All right, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Do you need a strong cup of coffee to get you through your day? Try your very own Brooklyn Cafe Show coffee. The official coffee of the Brooklyn Cafe Show. You can pick up a bag from us or two. Contact us at 866-224-5422 or just stop on by. We're at 2400 Northwest Boca Raton Boulevard, Suite 13. Come on in, grab a bag of our signature Brooklyn Cafe coffee. The cafe doors are always open. Welcome to Amp2TV, the first and only internet production company that's truly plugged in. When you're looking for a full-service internet radio, TV production company, discover Amp2TV. Amp2TV is a full-service media company that can provide all streaming videos, video studios, radio studios, and television studios. Call us today at 866-224-5422 for no business is too small to grow to be accounted. It's time for your message to be seen. Let Amp2TV help get you there. I'm Heidi Wild, and the only moisturizer I use on my skin is Javon's Desired Radiance. Javon's quality starts with producing the goat milk of the Blue Herd. It could make your skin look and feel younger and more radiant, just like mine. And now, there's a Javon's Desired Radiance for men, too. Order now and find out for yourself at Javon.com. Artist Rosie Sherman paints her passions to share with everyone. Expressing herself through bold and vibrant colors, her suggestion and style are always in flux. Inspired by travels, nature, romance, and the human spirit, Rosie makes sure her depiction of women are strong and proud. Her landscapes illustrate the changing seasons in the diverse world that we live in. To find her artwork in the multiple medias you can purchase, visit rosiesherman.pixels.com. Imagine, this is your money, and someone wants to take it from you. Who is it? The IRS. Guess what? They want your money, and they can take it, all of it if they want. 
Remember, they sent you that letter right over here that said, hey, you owe us a bunch of cash and we're gonna take it from you right now. So what do you do? You fight back by letting our team of experts work it out with the IRS so you can keep your money. And hey, we're good at what we do. When you hire us, you get a team of guys on your side that know the IRS laws and will fight really hard to save your money. So if you owe the IRS a ton of cash and you want to keep it, call right now and learn for free how we can help you put it back in your pocket. Five minutes of your time right now can save you thousands of dollars. And the best part, it's a free call. So please call right now. I didn't know some Medicare Advantage plans may pay for dental visits. Did you? I didn't know some Medicare Advantage plans may pay for transportation to my doctor. Did you? I didn't know some Medicare Advantage plans may pay to have my prescriptions delivered directly to my home. Did you? These and more are important benefits some Medicare Advantage plans may give you. So if you're eligible for Medicare, call us right now because you could enroll in a plan with some amazing additional benefits. Call now. watching the Brooklyn Cafe Show. Join us each day and after hours as we talk about the hot topics to open the conversations and share a few laughs. Now, back to Dawn and Freddie S. And we're back. What the hell is That's that? Bailey. That is Bailey doing her thing. That's a little scary. So what do you think? People are very intrigued by this whole conversation is all I can tell you. You know, I think that the funny thing about all of this is that people don't want to admit when there's a problem. You know, that old denial thing. It's easier to live in denial and pain than it is to live in truth. And you have to sit down and you have to make a decision that says, listen, this is a problem. Now, do you approach your other person and say, we either have a chit-chat? Because you know it's not going to change. So I, I, what is your outcome? You're going to say goodbye? No, you have to leave. If it's with a narcissist, you have to leave. See, that's a tough but one. But you can't tell someone to leave because some people have children with them and they're not financially secure. They can't. Some people are really stuck in situations. Like I say, I'm older, so I, I can have time to make mistakes. But for people that are 20 years old now and they're thinking of having a life with someone that might be narcissistic, they're not going to have a good family life at all. Well, if you're 20, you shouldn't be thinking about that anyway. Wait till you're 30. Well, 20, 30, yeah. At least because... Mistakes happen when you're younger, and then you can't But it becomes out. generational, because we just talked about that. It's stopping that generational abuse, whatever. There's triggers even as abuse that you don't realize are triggers, right? We talked about that. That golden child, and some people consider that a form of abuse as well, because you may have been brought up as that golden child, but you never felt like you were. So you live with all of this imposter syndrome, and then it goes from generation to generation of people pleasing i think mostly women but it seems to be you do but that you as well you see all of these definitions but people flying, don't know murky, how to pasta syndrome i mean uh, whatever i have to say i love you and let's let's argue and let's fix, fix this thing. all these definitions every shrink in the world is in every you go to sleep there's 15 people in that bed every shrink flying monkeys you go to know. sleep, but you don't really want to go to sleep. You want to go to sleep when you want to go to sleep. You want to watch in bed where you want to watch in bed, not what they want to watch in bed. Like, I would drive people crazy because I watch reruns. In bed? In bed. Before I go to sleep. See, the other thing is I go to bed and I'm asleep in about 30 seconds. It does not matter what is on TV. I am I can't out. do that. I have, because I have to unwind. 
I do. And then I'm out. (laughs) It's like instantaneously. Now, what do you do if the person you're with snores like Grant took Richmond and the people next door are complaining and so loud? What do you do? Separate bedrooms. You know what I used to do? What do you do? I used to push him real hard and then play like I was sleeping. And then he'd look at me and say, did you just wake me up and shove me? And I'd be like, you woke me up to ask me if I shoved you. But then they start snoring again. I had to stop him from snoring because it was so loud. But they're going to snore again. I had a little time to fall out in that time. Uh, You see, I can't fall out like that. You can fall out like that? Me? Only to a certain point of time in the middle of the night. And then at some point at 3, 4 a.m., then no. You know the nose strips that they sell? Uh Uh-huh. I have a box of nose strips. Here. Here's a gift. I'm giving you a gift. Why are you giving me that? Why do you think I'm giving you that? And take your phone and record it. Because sometimes it, it is what it is physically. And sometimes they can't help it. Then it's time to go exit to another <laughs> Just stage left. Just saying. A whole lot of stuff. But I think your book is fascinating. Your story is remarkable. And, and how you help people and how you're dealing with the loss of your son is amazing. You want to yeah. touch a little bit on that? With, with what? With, with your son and how... You lost him? Oh, um, he was in an accident, and someone had come into his lane, and so he hydroplaned, and he hit um, a tree. Oh, my God. And so um, he didn't die instantly. He was airlifted, and um, they were calling me from the hospital, so I wanted them to wait and keep him on the the ventilator until I got there in the morning because there was no plane going back. And so um, they told me that he could pass before that time, so um, I asked them, was there anything to donate? Because they said six doctors confirmed that he was brain dead. And so they had heart muscles, eyes, and um, skin. So I just thought, well, OK, let me let go of what I want. And maybe I could help other people with the skin, the heart muscles, and uh, the eyes. And so um, my son, he was my golden child. Um, he didn't have a great relationship with his dad, so I always overcompensated, trying to make him feel comfortable. And he had my personality a little bit, so I liked to banter with him because he, I liked that he fought me back on things because it meant he questioned things. And I think men should like, grow up being stronger you know, and, and have to question situations. And so um, I had to go back to New York. you know. And what makes it different when your kid is on their own is when they live with you and they pass, you're just in your house and what they have is yours. But when you go to their apartment and it's all their stuff that you've never seen, you actually feel like you're intruding on their space going through their things, you know? And um, in my book that I wrote about losing my son, there was a night where I sat up and I actually thought about taking my life. And I thought, I don't want to live anymore. He was my everything. My, my daughter's mattered to me too, but I was, uh, kind of like telling myself that I had my condo and the life insurance and they would be fine that I couldn't handle this and then like actually heard my son's voice and he was telling me really you believe in reincarnation if you really believe in it look on what would happen if you took your life and so I sat up and I looked into it and it was telling me things that um, you stay in limbo until the actual age you were supposed to die and then what you see over and over if you take your life is who finds your body and how it affects them. So basically, if your one daughter found your body or was told that you died and she became an alcoholic later on, that becomes your karma because you changed the road she was on by taking your life. 
So I believe that God gives us a gift and we're all here to learn lessons. We meet everyone that we meet for a reason. And so we have to take this class, you know, in order to get to the next level. So if you take your life, you're going to come back and be in a position where you'll be pushed to take your life again. And until you live a life where you don't take your life, you're going to keep repeating that life no matter what makes you get pushed to that point. And so by three in the morning, I went back to sleep and I said, okay, I guess I'm going to be here. And so, you know, um, it's very heartbreaking, um, but I'm also very spiritual. So that kind of saved me without blaming anybody. I never blame God. And as I told you on the phone, there were so many people throughout the years that lost children. And I would sit there thinking just because I was a mother, I knew exactly what they were feeling. But I realized when I lost my son, I didn't know nothing because you don't know that feeling. That person, you go home and you order pizza, you go out, your next day begins. Their day, that whole family, their lives change forever. So they're on a different road, you know? And, you know, so I always bring my son up. Every year I do a memorial for him or I make videos of him. And I just put him out there so he's almost still here, you know? So that feels comfortable for me. So I talk about him anytime. And I get many signs from him also. So I do really believe that they're around and they do, you know, they do come back and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that was the worst thing I could ever go through. So there's nothing on earth that could ever hurt me as much what as that. What was his name? Darian. And he, this happened in New York City? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had called me like two weeks before that. He was going through a bad relationship and I had told him he could come and stay with me, maybe take a leave of absence. And he thought about it. And I remember he called me the week before he died and he said, mom, he goes, I want to fix her. And that's when I knew that he followed my enabling, that he wanted to stick around and change somebody. And there's nothing I could do about it, but I didn't know he was going to die a week later. Wow. That's a tough one. We are. Our condolences for everything you go through. But wow, how you inspire others to keep going. And you write books. And you, you keep it going. You say, I don't have it as bad as somebody else had it, which is an unbelievable attitude to have. Because so many people would think they had it the worst. Well, I, I, I was on? always inspired by people that it's took amazing. that higher road and, and, and tried to lift people up. So for me, I've been around, both my parents were pity. They would cry. My father was always crying at the table drunk, and my mother was always in the bathroom saying she didn't want to live. So I just, I became the caretaker, the enabler, and so I don't want to look at life that way. You know what I mean? I want to look at life like any, I even tell my children, my daughter shed a lump on her breast once, and it, we had six doctors standing around saying it's definitely cancer. She was like so upset. And then we went to another doctor and they said, we don't know what it is until we get in there. It turned out just to be hard skin. And I told her, she says, well, they said it could be cancer. I said, but is it cancer right now? And she said, well, no. And I said, so that's all you're going on until you find out that it's different. And I told her, the only thing you could do is what's next. You can only do what's next. And you know, maybe that comes off as a little hard, but that's the truth. I tell my children all the time, this is, hey, this is not a tickle of a walk in the park. This is life. Things are going to happen. We don't want them to happen, but you have to face them when they happen. And so, you know, sometimes I question myself, am I a little hard putting it out that way? But that's the way I taught myself, so that's what I know. It must be New Yorker. She sounds a whole lot like you. It's a change of frequency. You know, what the ladies do with the wine is that they are constantly changing frequency. So when you watch their show, wine changes your frequency. Huh? I don't mean that it makes you drunk, it's just your octave goes up, so when you give something to someone, it makes you that much, that much uh, easier 
to understand, to see, and you know, who just walked in. Laura says she feels your pain. People no. are writing in. So and your story resonates with more than you realize as you share it. So thank you so much for reaching out to us no, and sharing you. your story. You are thank remarkable. You. Are you doing hairdressing now? Or are you doing yes. stand-up? Yeah, I'm doing here. I haven't done comedy in a while. I think I might. Are you a hairdresser too? Yeah. I, I try to do a show called Shampoo. Remember Shampoo in the Day? Yeah, with Warren Beatty. Maybe yep. she'll shave your hair. Maybe you should just look at the camera. I thought you did this for the summer. Just take it easy. <laughs> so we went to a, a salon, and I was sitting by where they do the shampoo because you guys get all the good stuff, you know, all the stories. None of the women would talk. I put a mic like this. They wouldn't talk. They wouldn't say anything that they would say to the hairdresser. Yep. What were you asking them? Nothing. I was just sitting there being the fly on the wall. Because oh. they tell you everything, right? You go oh, in yeah. there, and my life is this, and my this is this, and my that is that. Well, I worked in Manhattan, and it's funny, because when I worked in Manhattan, a woman would come in, a museum own, a owner, a gallery owner, and they would have their little book, and then I would say, oh, it's a nice day, and they'd be like, Yes, it is. And I knew they didn't want to talk to me, right? And then a friend of mine opened his shop in Astoria, and he said, can you just help me out a couple of weeks? The first lady I did was a grandmother. She told me she had four abortions and so many men. I was like, wow, this is interesting. I think I want to stay here because it makes the day go by quicker, you know? So I ended up working in both places. That's I usually what happens here. with the hairdressers. How you doing? Come on in. Um, this is Rose. Rose is the host of our Mystic Spiritual Alchemist. Yes. Show that airs on Wednesdays yes. at three o'clock. So I'm very excited that you're here. Yeah, we oh, miss so you, you were, too. You, you were away, right? Grab a mic. You were away for a little bit. You went somewhere. I'm gonna be away uh, for two weeks. I'm going to Italy. She leaves this week. She going where? Italy. Italy. Oh. She leaves this week, she but she has a live show tomorrow. Oh. Yes. Mm. It's gonna be a fantastic show. You ever have one of those suitcases that has like? Two hands and two feet hanging out the bottom, and it walks its way to the airport. Is that going to be you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going in her suitcase? Yes. This lady's scary when she walks in the door. I know. You can feel that whole vibration change. She changes the whole energy of everything. So, so let's give out the shout out. What time is your podcast and where? And the name of it, please? It's a YouTube channel, Chit Chat and Wine with Chardonnay Nay and Cabernella. We are going to be dropping our first episode tomorrow 7 p.m. on a YouTube but you can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram Ka uh, it's Char and Cab we abbreviated it for our social media platform yeah, names are really long uh-huh and um, we're really excited I you know we're just getting this started so it could evolve over time but the expectation is just a little fun a little getaway from reality a lot of tough things are going on in everyone's life you know your story resonates. A lot of people are going through a tough time right now. We experience our own stresses daily, and this is an escape for us. It's an escape that we hope to bring people on this little escape with us so they can just step away from reality for a minute, relax, grab their own wine, and laugh a little with us. Nice. Laughter you know? is healing, and we truly believe that. And join us and laugh with us and heal. And connect with us. Yeah. I mean, we're just figuring things out. We are a hot mess. <laughs> so we're probably going to look crazy our first few episodes. But your feedback, your engagement will help us grow and make it something special. 
It's going to be amazing. Lori, how do people get your book or get in touch with you? Because the numbers today of everyone that's engaged in listening to your story is um, amazing. Um, it's on Amazon Prime, the book area in Amazon. And it's under, I have a pen name, it's under Layla Roche. Under what? Layla Roche. Of course it is. Do you want to tell anyone why? We're going to skip that for the next interview. Well, there's um, a reason why? Yeah. No. Well, in. When I was in this one relationship, um, I was being lied to so much that I put a CD in my computer and I found out that this person was lying to me about everything. And I found other girls in relationships with him. So I went online and I posed as Layla Roche. So my ex met me online and was talking with me for three weeks, telling me he was never married, he had no children. So one time when I went to get something from him, uh, I had said to him, well, why don't you talk to Layla Roche? And he's like, who's that? And I said, you're looking at her. And then he was just so upset that he wasted his time for three weeks. <laughs> I was like, that's a definite narcissist. This woman narcissist. is amazing, right? <laughs> so, you know, after going through that and thinking about things that I went through, I was like, I have to put it out there because I really do feel bad for new people getting into relationships and thinking they're going to start their whole life with someone that will never understand them. Check out this book because Lori is amazing. So hopefully you'll join us again. Because oh, yes, the topic is remarkable. Rose, you talked about narcissism. So you guys have a whole lot to talk about. Oh, I had a lot of narcissism <laughs> in my life. I'm an empath. Right. When we're an empath, yeah. we attract those, plenty of them in our yeah. life. I, I know. I could write a few books about narcissist <laughs> people. All right, more to come, now, Rose has a show. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. I don't know if you have anybody on your show, but when you talk... Over there, you're going to sort of figure out things as they go along. So this could be an interesting week. More to come. We've got Rebooted, the podcast, coming to you today at 3 o'clock with Alita Hernandez. She's interviewing Lou Who, Let Us Help You, Paul Solomon, continuing the conversation from last night. Tonight, you've got Caregiver Solutions with Marcia Teal. We are doing an interview on insurance with State Farm Insurance Adjuster Hugo, Hugo Nunez. So more to come on that. Homeowners, flood insurance, what you need to look at, especially in the state of Florida. And then at 7.30, Jordana Foster, Ready, Set, Go, Beyond. So a full day lineup for you. Full day. Have a great day, everyone. Stay safe. Be kind to each other. And we'll see you tomorrow. 9 a.m. brunch. And don't be late. Or 11. Oh, Bye -bye. tomorrow in New York tomorrow, City. Tomorrow in New York City. Here we come. New York City. 12 o'clock. Yes. Well, that's about it for today. Even though the show's over, the Broken Cafe is always open for business. You're invited to join the fun every day from 12 to 2. If you missed some of the last from today, Dawn and Freddie S. will bring you more good cheer next time. You can follow The Brooklyn Cafe on Facebook at The Brooklyn Cafe TV to rewatch every minute of the show. We'll see you next time.
Stay strong. 